We are on Yevamos Yedzayin Amaralef 17a1 in the Art School Gemara. In this recording, God willing, we will complete the first parak, the first chapter of Yevamos. And so this is very exciting as we, in the next recording, we will move on to the second parak, the second chapter. We were in the middle of discussing the law stated by Rav Asi that says that uh, if there is a marriage between a Jew and a non-Jew uh, in a specific city where it's known that the members of the lost tribes of the ten lost tribes were living there. Uh, so then we have to be concerned that the non-Jew was a descendant of the ten lost tribes and therefore uh, it is a valid marriage. And that's something that we have to be concerned for. That's the statement of Rav Asi. Now the Gemara is going to continue and it's going to discuss a conversation between Rabbi Yehuda and Shmuel about the Ten Lost Tribes and whether or not we actually have to be concerned for a marriage between a non-Jew, even from these places where we know the Ten Lost Tribes lived. Do we actually have to be concerned for a marriage between a non-Jew who may have been a descendant from the Ten Lost Tribes or are we not concerned? And Shmuel is going to say that we do not have to be concerned for such a marriage. We don't assume... Uh, that this non-Jew is actually Jewish uh, because he's from the he descends from the ten lost tribes, and there are two different versions for the story. When he when Rabbi Yehuda approaches Shmuel, we'll see that there are two different versions for the story. But the conclusion of both versions is that we are not concerned that this non-Jew who descends from the ten, potentially descends from the ten lost tribes is actually Jewish. And so we'll see two different reasons why we do not assume he's Jewish, since we don't assume he's Jewish. The marriage, the attempted marriage, is not viewed as a halachic marriage because once the father is not Jewish, so then, or either side is not Jewish, it is not viewed as a halachic marriage. Okay, so the Gemara says, When Rav Yehuda relates the idea of Rav Asi before Shmuel, he said to me, Amarli, that it's not true because even if he descends from the Ten Lost Tribes, he is still not Jewish. Because if he came from the father, if the father was from the Ten Lost Tribes and he married somebody who was not Jewish. So then we know about the concept that um, that the you're defined as a Jew based on the mother. It is based on matrilineal descent. How do we know this? So this Gemara is the source for the concept of matrilineal descent, that we believe that a person is only Jewish if their mother is Jewish. If their mother is not Jewish, but the father is Jewish, so then the child is not Jewish. How do we know about this idea? It's from this Gemara. The Gemara says as follows, If the son comes from a Jewish mother, so then it's called your son. But if your son comes, if the mother is not Jewish, so then the child is not is not Jewish. The status of the child is based off the status of the mother. Since the mother is not Jewish, the child is also not Jewish. So the Gemara doesn't explain where this comes from, but that's Shmuel's statement. Rashi explains uh, that it comes from a Pasuk, a verse in Devarim. The Pasuk first says, it discusses both cases of a non-Jewish man marrying a Jewish woman or a, or a uh, Jewish man marrying a non-Jewish woman. And then in the next verse, it only focuses on the non-Jewish man, that if the non, in that relationship of a non-Jewish man marrying uh, or attempting to marry a Jewish woman, it says, Ki yasir es bincha And when he causes your son 
to stray away from God. And it only focuses on the fact that it's the, in fact, on the situation of the non-Jewish father to the Jewish mother, where the Pasuk, the verse says that the non-Jewish father will cause your son, meaning a son from this relationship, to stray away from God. The implication is, is that the focus is only on that type of relationship because that type of a relationship is where the child is Jewish because it's from, coming from a Jewish mother. And the Pasuk specifically did not tell us about the other case which was mentioned where it's a non-Jewish mother because if it's a non-Jewish mother, the child is not Jewish. And so they only focus on the situation where the, where the mother is Jewish, the father is not Jewish, and there's this concern that the non-Jewish father will cause the son, who is called your son, is called the Jewish son, uh, to stray away from Hashem. Because only in that scenario is the son Jewish, when the mother is also Jewish. Which is how we pasch, and that's how we, uh, that's how we rule. And just to give uh, uh, one idea, just a quote from Rav Salavechik, with regards to this idea of matrilineal descent, uh, Rav Salavechik wrote as follows. He says, that it is quite interesting that although Avram survived Sarah by 38 years, his historical role came to an end with Sarah's passing. Yitzchak, Isaac, leaves the stage together with, with Rivka. Yaakov relinquishes his role to Yosef with the untimely death of Rachel. Without Sarah, there would be no Avram. No Yitzchak were it not for Rivka, no Yaakov without Rachel. The halacha was cognizant of the greatness of the covenantal mother when it formulated the rule that Kedusha Yisrael, the identity, one status as a Jew, can only be transmitted through the woman. And so that is how we that is how we follow. Going back to the Gemara, the Gemara asks, okay, fine, we're discussing just the broader context here is a descendant from uh, the, the lost tribes. So it's true, if the if the father's Jewish but the mother is not Jewish, so then the child wouldn't be Jewish. Uh, but with Vahaga Banas, but there were also daughters of the ten tribes who presumably had children, and so they would be Jewish. But the if the mother is Jewish, even if the father is not Jewish, the child is still Jewish. So why do we assume that these uh, these descendants came from the father who was Jewish? Maybe they came from the mother who was Jewish. So the Gemara answers, no, there was a tradition. There's a tradition that for that generation of the ten lost tribes, the daughters weren't able to have children. Their wombs were torn from the agony of the journey and going into exile. They lost the ability to have children. So the descendants, according to this position, this is not so simple, but according to this position, there was a tradition that the uh, the children of the ten lost tribes could only come from the Jewish father. They couldn't come from the Jewish mother because they weren't able to have children due to the exile. That is one version of of the discussion between Rabbi Yehud and Shmuel with regards to the descendants of the ten tribes and whether or not they could, uh, when we have a non-Jew that comes from, or uh, a questionable person, whether they're, Jew, whether they're non-Jewish or whether they descend from the ten lost tribes in a place where we know the ten lost tribes did live, Shmuel says that we don't assume that they are Jewish and therefore it's not viewed as a halachically valid, and we're not even concerned for a halachically valid marriage when the non-Jew marries a Jew because we just, we just assume uh, that they are not Jewish. Because even the descendants of the ten lost tribes are not Jewish. There's a different version for Shmuel's response. The Gemara says, Amri, ki amrisa When Rabbi Huda related to Shmuel this question about the ten lost tribes, 
and the descendants who, who've lost uh, their Yiddishkeit, their Judaism completely, whether or not we could uh, be concerned that they're Jewish, Amar Li Shmuel said to me that no, in the times of the Nevi'im, of the prophets, they did not budge from there they, when, they, when they went into exile and they saw that they weren't keeping the Torah anymore as a group. It wasn't, they weren't able to keep the Torah anymore when they went into exile and they declared them to be non-Jews. They had the ability, they had the right, a very powerful idea, a very interesting idea that they had the right to say that this group of people, they're no longer Jewish because they were intermingling. They weren't keeping the Torah anymore, but it was unclear. Are they Jewish? Are they not Jewish from the descendants? They had descendants uh, coming from their mother, but still it was, it, was, it was creating a situation where there were mamzerim and it was becoming very difficult to know who you can marry and who you can't marry. And so therefore, because they left, uh, they left the Torah, they, the prophets, through Nevuah, through prophecy, they established that uh, they are not Jewish. They betrayed Hashem, and therefore their children are also not Jewish. And according to most, and the way we follow, this, was, this could only be established at that time. It only applied to the ten tribes, where we say that because they've left the Torah, as a group they've left the Torah, that we could uh, create... We could institute, we have the right to institute and say that they are no longer Jewish. Uh, as a group, they, they are no longer Jewish. And therefore, since they're no longer Jewish, uh, if they were to attempt to marry a Jew, it would not be viewed as a halachically valid marriage because uh, the prophets already determined and, and established that they are no longer Jewish. Okay, that's the end of the discussion of the Ten Lost Tribes. The Gemara now returns to the discussion about Tarmud. And it says as follows, Yosef, Rav Yosef, Rav Kahana. Rav Yosef was sitting behind Rav Kahana. Yosef, Rav Kahana, come to Rav Yehuda. And Rav Kahana was sitting in front of, before Rav Yehuda, Amar. And he said, When Tarmud is destroyed, there's going to be a great celebration amongst the Jewish people. Why? So Rashi explains, because in the place of Tarmud, we discussed that place of Tarmud uh, in the Gemara earlier. It was a question whether or not you could accept uh, the non-Jews there as gerim, as converts, because maybe they're Jewish and they're mamzerim, and they're not allowed to marry into the Jewish people if they're mamzerim. It was very confusing in that city, whether or not you were a mamzer or not a mamzer, and whether who you can, who can marry whom. Um, because it was so confusing, once the city is destroyed, and we've, we've solved the situation, that uh, it's no longer a, a real question as to whom you can marry, it'll be a great celebration. But the Gemara asks, but it was already destroyed. The more answers, no. Hai Tamud Hava. Tamud, a different city, was uh, was destroyed. And another Gemara, another answer for the Gemara is Ravashi Amar Hainu Tamud Hainu Tamud. It's really, it's all the same city. Tamud and Tamud is all the same city, but Echbulihu de Mechbal. It would duplicate itself. Char Me Hagisa, also Me Hagisa. When they destroy part of one city, they would rebuild the other city. And if they would destroy one side, then they would rebuild uh, the other side. So, uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't completely destroyed yet, but once it does become destroyed, so then there will be this great celebration. A few more lines in the Gemara, and then we will conclude the parak, the chapter. Yasser Rav Nuna Kamei Ula. Rav Nuna was sitting in front of Ula. The Kav Bishmaisa and was challenging what he learned. Amar Ula said after he challenged what he, after um, Rav Nuna challenged what he learned, he said, "Magavru, Magavru, this is such a great individual." If only he didn't come from the place of Harpanya. Why? Because Harpanya was also a place where it, what, the lineage wasn't clear. And it wasn't clear whether 
who was a mamzer and who was kosher and who was able to marry uh, within the Jewish people. Um, and <laughs> Rav Nuna got embarrassed. He got embarrassed and he said, um, uh, he, he was embarrassed about the fact that they were questioning his lineage. And once Ula realized this, Amar Lay, Ula asked him, whoa, so he, he realized he was embarrassed. He tried to backtrack a little bit. Yahavis. Who do you pay taxes to? So Amar Lay, I paid to Pum Nara. I don't pay, I don't pay my taxes to Harpanya, I play to Pumnara. So Amarle Ula said to him, Im came Pumnara. So then you're really from Pumnara, you're not from this place of Harpanya, even if you grew up there, you're not from Harpanya where there was questionable lineage. You're you're a person of Pumnara. So based on this, the Gemara gets into a discussion about Harpanya. My Harpanya. What is the name Harpanya? What is it referring to? So Amr, two explanations. It's the mountain where all those who have questionable lineage as to whether or not uh, they are moms or not, they, they go there. Or even if we know, we know that they are unfit, that they are mamzerim, they go there. That's the place where all mamzerim could go. A mamzer is allowed to marry another mamzer. And so that's where they go to find a spouse. It's taught in the Bryce. Another explanation. Whoever cannot identify their family and where they come from, and so therefore it's, they, they, they are potentially a mamzer, they should go there to uh, find a spouse. Okay, the Gemara continues on this discussion. Amar Rava, Rava says, Vihi amuka mi Sheol. Harpanya is deeper than Sheol. Sheol is referring to Gehenna, it's referring to hell. And it's saying that hell, at least, we get out of hell. We go to hell and we're, we're, we're punished, but we get out of it. We get redeemed. But when it comes to a mamzer, it's very unfortunate, but when it comes to a mamzer, there's no way to get out of the problem. A mamzer is a mamzer, and there's no way uh, to get out of it. The Gemara, a few more lines. The Gemara says, When it comes to Harpanya, and the fact that there were so many mamzerim in Harpanya, this place called Harpanya, it, it, it happened because they came from another, a, a nearby place called Meshon. And those who, be, who were Mamzerim from Mabeshon, they came from Tarmud, the place that we've discussed before, the place of Tarmud. And how did they become Mamzerim in Tarmud? That's because of the whole story of the servants of Shlomo, the non-Jewish uh, servants of Shlomo, the slaves, married the Jewish women, and then their children became Mamzerim. And this is what people say, People say, Megander, a large cob, these are different measurements, a large cob and a small cob, all different types of genealogical disqualifications. Azil Sheol, they rolled down to Sheol, a place of Sheol, Umi Sheol Tarmud, and then those people went to Tarmud, Umi Tarmud the Meshan, and then they went to Meshan, Umi Meshan Laharpanya. From Meshan they went to Harpanya. So uh, that is the end of the first parak, which concludes with uh, this discussion of this place, Harpanya, where there were many mamzerim, and they went there to marry each other, so that they would be able to marry somebody. So, we conclude that the first chapter, Mazel Tov, to everybody for including the first chapter, we shall return to you, uh, and we will continue with the second chapter in the next recording.